This is Brian Bellick, and welcome to the Coach's Show podcast presented by Bud Light. It's the sure sign of a good time. Here we go. First of all, I want to send my congratulations to my former partner in crime, Jim Mora, who accepted the head coaching job at UCLA this week. I spoke with him today on the Coach's Show about his new gig. Well, let's take a stroll down memory lane with uh, my good friend and, and former partner, Jim Moore, who we're thrilled to be. Seems like we were just together last week, but I guess it was last week we were together. Congratulations, man. Thank you. We're still partners, man. That we're still we are. partners. We are. We are. I tell you what, I can't, I can't tell you how happy I am for you and uh, what the challenge for you. Tell us a little bit about what, uh, what you got in plan for the Bruins. Well, hopefully we win a lot of games and make people proud to be Bruin fans, but we've got a lot of work to do between now and then and uh, to try to take it in chunks and accomplish as much as we can every day. First thing is to put together a great coaching staff, uh, a bunch of guys that can recruit and that can uh, motivate and teach and, and mentor our young student athletes and then go out and find some players that uh, love to compete and, and are tough, hard-nosed, athletic guys that can run and hit and uh, put those two people together, those two forces together, and see if we can't go win some football games. Well, I can't think of a guy better suited to do it. I love the, I love the college game, and I love the experience, enthusiasm you're going to bring back to it. Of course, I'm from Southern California, and I'd love to see you get the Bruins turned around. Now, before I let you out of here now, we got to be one. It wouldn't be not be a show unless I put you on the hot seat a little bit about we got to have the final definitive Mora opinion on Tim Tebow and where this thing's going and what they're going to do. Well, like I've said from the very start, I think really if you go back to the draft and you listen to what I've said and then through all the coaches, so I've said that this guy is a winner and uh, this guy is going to be a great quarterback for this football team and uh, lead him to a lot of championships. <laughs> well, maybe that's, maybe that's not what I've always said, but I, I just think it's really fun to watch what this guy is accomplishing and really – more than that, with the Denver Bronco teams accomplishing under John Fox in their first year, they've got it going. They believe in, in what John is telling them and asking them to do. And then Tim Tebow, you know, it, there is a thing called Tebow time, and there is that, that magical moment that he seems to thrive in. And uh, it's a pleasure to watch a guy like that. You know, you love it. I love it. All football fans love it. Of course, if you're the, you're the opponent, you don't love it. But uh, what, a, what a fun guy to watch. Well, it was a pleasure working with you, man. And uh, I tell you what, you're going to just be up the street. You can come back and visit us anytime you want. And you can come over and, and uh, visit with my team anytime you want. I will do that. I look forward. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciated it. It's been great, Brian. Take care. Now, today, I can't tell you how excited I am to be joined by my old mentor, my old boss, and my friend, <laughs> Denny Green. Coach, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. This is going to be fun. We want to do something a little different this week. Uh, We tapped into the production meeting that we do every week for this show as Denny and I talked through the subject matter that we wanted to cover on the Coach's Show, and that we'll cover here a little bit on the podcast. We thought you might enjoy hearing us talk about it in that atmosphere as we decided what's going to be on the show and what's not, and then obviously we can expand on that as well. Kansas City Chiefs today announcing that Todd Haley has been relieved of his duties as head coach, effective immediately. Uh, Clark Hunt, the chairman and CEO, saying this was a difficult decision, but one that we feel was in the best interest of the future of the Chiefs. Went on to say, although there have been bright spots at different points this season, we have not made meaningful progress, and we felt it was necessary to make a change. We appreciate Todd's contributions during this time with the club, and we wish him well. What has happened here, though, is that it's pale establishing 
who's in charge and who's going to be in charge because they're not going to be in the playoffs. So he's like changing places with the horse in the midstream, absolutely, because I'm going to be waiting on the other side. And I think the biggest reason he has able to say is that, look, we thought we hired the uh, offensive-minded Super Bowl champion coach. And he hasn't provided those kind of sparks for us. So it's almost like almost saying fraud. He's almost saying, hey, we didn't get what we said we were going to get. Uh, we have not been any good on offense. That's the only reason why I got the job because he was offense coordinator on the Super Bowl Arizona Cardinals. And so it was just a matter of time. And so I say the time is now. That's Paoli. And so they got it. But again, nobody knew this was going to happen. I mean, there are guys that you thought were going week to week. Haley was not one of them. Now, was he going to be back next year? Most people thought 50-50. I mean, not absolutely not. Not absolutely yes. And so this is a big surprise. Will, will this be the – my question will be, will this be the catalyst? Because I view it as going, and strictly from a business standpoint, because anytime a coach gets let go is not a good day. But from a business standpoint, is this a precursor to, ooh, there are going to be some changes this year. And I don't want to wait until Monday after the season to scramble. This gives me the latitude, because it's a general manager's league now. Right. Does this give the general managers, owners, president, whatever the triumvirate is, to now legitimately, oh, I get to scratch around now and call Bill Cowher or Gruden or right. whomever I want. I can put my ducks in a row, because it's going to be a mad scramble on Black Monday, and I want to get my ducks in a row so I can move quickly, not only to get the guy I want, but so he can go get the guys that he wants for his court. I don't want to do this in late January, and now my choices of my coordinators is, is this ahead of the curve. The issue is still going to be whether the general manager will pull that trigger because it is a general manager's league. Yep. And if you're talking about bringing Gruden back, and if you're talking about bringing Cowher back, and if you're talking about bringing Brian Billig back, these, these are not these. The GMs these, ain't going to do I that. I like when, when Brian said, you know what I mean? Hey, uh, they can't afford me. Uh, again, this whole idea. And so it's going to be interesting. We're a step away from all-star wrestling now, believe me. All of a sudden now, we're all alike. And that's why I don't think that they're going to stem the tide and say, you know what, it's time for Cowher. But I even if doubts. it's just to, you know what, I'm going to get my ducks in a row for whoever the hot coordinator is, whoever the college guy is. I think that's what, so that's what leads me to my original question. Is this going to lead to a couple more? Is oh, those so. guys, whether, and not, it's not our place to say who that might be, but it's fairly obvious. Just look at, look at the non-playoff group. Okay, which of these guys are vulnerable that they might want to say, I need to get ahead of the curve too, so Tony, <laughs> you mean to go? The way that the media's gotten now, and the first one I saw this bad was Childress last year. Yeah. Where which led to two more. That's right, because it became like, this you must do. Now, now you know, guys have been fired forever. But the basically way it was set up is that you must get rid of Childress the sooner the better. And if they didn't, it was going to be chaos. And that's the way it is right now. I live in San Diego. That's the way it is right now at Norv. Every article they write is when Norv is gone, when the replacement comes in, the general manager has not said he's gone, the owner has not said he's gone, but it has become a foregone conclusion that if they don't make the playoffs, which they won't, that Norv will be gone. And it's almost like now we've built this expectations up where we need a new guy. We need new stories to write about. We need new guys to cheer for. We need new offense. We need new defense. We need a new guy. And this is becoming what's taking place. Now, to answer your question, you know, AFC West, you know, they watch each other. 
Kansas City made a move. All right, A.J., if you expect to be here, and there is some question mm-hmm. on whether A.J. Smith will survive this. Mm-hmm. If you expect to be here, you better go get Norv the next time he loses. The next time he loses, we want him out of there. You got, after an unbelievable run in Minnesota of playoff games, in a tough December had to decide, look, there needs to be some definition. Right. One way or the other. And they didn't want to do that. So you walked, you stepped away from right. it. The opposite was my situation, or my owner, for 16 straight weeks on a very tough year after going 13-3 and said, not an issue, not an issue. You're coming back, you're coming back. The Friday before the Pittsburgh Steelers game, our last game, that we won, by the way. I'm, I'm making plans to go hire a coordinator. I, you know, I show up Monday, I change my mind. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. No one's right or wrong. But this definition for organizations in right. December in terms of as a kickoff as to the direction you need to go. Right. In the NFL, it rarely ends well. Right. Plain and simple. I don't, I don't give a damn if you're a player. If you're a head coach, it rarely ends well. That eventually you're going to run out of steam. Eventually they're going to get tired of hearing your stories. Eventually you're going to bore the public. Eventually you're going to bore the media. And eventually you're going to lose. What, what, how many years and in Minnesota? Ten years. Ten. You know, was nine. It, one, the, the Bill Walsh One losing year. season. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. The, the losing season was the tenth one. Right. But <laughs> what it typically is, and we're both a victim of it, if you last ten years, it means you've been pretty good. Right. If you, you know, normally you're gone in year three or four. Right. Okay. If you get to ten, it means you've been pretty good. There's going to be the swoon. Bill Cowher was sub-500 or, or did not go to the playoffs in years seven, eight, nine. Right. But he had ownership that said, I'm going to fight through this. Okay, we went in a different direction. Okay, and you can say good or bad, and Bill was able to rebound back up, sure. get a Super Bowl, and sure. then walk away on his terms. Andy Reid, same thing. Is the ten-year thing real now? Separated from it, I know the league's changed a little bit because your turnover in personnel. I had right. two different owners, but I don't know that's still not a legitimate. The, ten years is a long time. It's a long time. I think it's a long time if you have the same general manager to work with. I think it's a long time if you have the same owners. But if you have a uh, if you have a break in there somewhere, then it, it can you can stretch a little bit longer. A lot of people feel five years. Right. Bill Coward happened to be his GM. For Jeff Fisher, it happened to be his GM. In our situation, right. it happened to be our time. Right. Um, and and it's a different league, but so there's got to be someone's someone's got to pay, right? And and that's inevitable. I think we have to keep in mind that when when you see something happen in your quarterback, you have to do everything you can to help your team get the best player. And I think that once they were able to say, "Hey, we've got our players here," that's the that's kind of the kiss of death. In other words, you, you know, you don't really have a start here. Palco playing means you're going to have low-scoring games. Low-scoring games is really not what you're supposed to be about, a very good offensive coordinator. All of a sudden, you're not scoring points. So the, the, their inability to get a legitimate starting quarterback kind of foretold their inability to score a lot of points. If you don't score a lot of points the way that team was made, then they weren't going to win a lot of games. Believe me, this is what you call a smackdown. When you, when you come in and fire a guy that nobody was calling for, I didn't know Whitlock was yelling for, and that's the voice of, what's my man's name, uh, Jason Whitlock? Yeah. I don't think Jason was it's yelling. It's been up and down. It's like, it's but like, it's not it's like he like said, now. 
I didn't mean now. <laughs> I'm not ready to write about it yeah, now. I don't think he was writing about I it. I need a couple know, more Now freaks. this guy's got to go. This is yeah. a sneak attack. One of the things that we said that, that we learned from Bill Walsh, you're, you're here, you've got your head job. He'd say one thing, be your own yeah. man. That's what I told Brian. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. well, he's, I got something that Viking go. Don't worry about it. Be your own man. Mm -hmm. And I think that too many of the guys try to be exactly right. who the guy they work for. And this was, this was the case. You know, he was, the, all his moves had Belichick written all over it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and rarely can you, there's only one really Bill Belichick. There's only one Bill Walsh. There's well, only yeah. one Don Shaw. If you're going to do the, and, and Todd, Todd's a good guy, but it's the hoodie, grumpy, whatever. <laughs> you, you can pull that off. But baby, you better have a, at least one Super Bowl in your back pocket. You better win. Yeah, Bill couldn't pull that off until, until, he won. You get that, until he won. You get that in the back pocket. And you see coach after coach trying to do the same thing, yeah. emulate what they, rather than who they are. It's amazing how many coaches change. Guys oh. that you know, I've known for years. And they become the head coach and you're going, who is that guy? <laughs> Why are you, I think this could be the precursor to, we might see a couple more. Right. Because I think you might see some. Right now, we're in a general manager's league that they says. The, and they have that authority. Well, before, when you were looking for Denny Green and that personality to be the head coach and the authoritative, or even a Brian Billick, now the general managers are going, no, no, I want, I want a genius. I'm going to lock you in your room. We'll feed you your meals under the door three times a day. You don't, don't worry about personnel. Don't worry about the cap. You don't even have to talk to the media if you don't want to. Just come up with the genius game plans, and I'll take care of everything else. Um, that's where we are right now, and and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I think we're going to see this being a precursor. Ooh, you know, I know I'm going to make a change come Monday after the first. Right. I don't want to, because legally now the, you can't talk to anybody, and it's not professional. If the guy's sitting there in that right. chair, don't be unless you've gone to this guy and said, "Look, pal, we know where we're headed. I'm going to make some calls. I'm going to try to right. treat you respectfully, right. but but or it's." Or it's, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to be duplicit about it. Sorry, you're gone, and I'm going to start making my calls, and I'm going to get my ducks in a row because I'm going to hire a coach on the 2nd of January or on the 4th of January. The smart ones do because what they do, if you're not just hiring the head coach. If you want to delay the process, and well, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to think, I know what I'm doing, but we're going to delay the process. Now we get through the first week. Okay, now now i got to go through the search, which has some protocol now. All right. And, and now that clock's ticking, and, and coaches have got their, you know, now the guy I wanted to be my offensive and defensive coordinator, he got hired someplace else. Right, right. So now I'm into my second, third, and fourth candidate. These teams want to get ahead of it, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to speed up the process. Matt Prater can win it. Ball will be spotted by Britton Colquitt near hash, 41-yard line, an attempt of 51 yards for the victory. Snap, placement, Prater with plenty of leg on the way, and it is over! Just like you drew it up. The Broncos have won six consecutive games, and in overtime, they have beaten the Chicago Bears. Final score from Denver. Broncos 13, Bears 10. First off, every coach has to understand what he has. And I would say, I don't know if anybody said it, but what... The Denver has in the fourth quarter in Tebow is not what they're coaching in the first, second, and third quarter. So this isn't all Tebow. Part of this is they are, we used to always say this, okay? And then at what point you got to loosen the reins. 
if you look at how they go into the game, they're very conservative, you know what I mean? And and they don't realize, or they, they haven't been willing to realize that this is a stallion that has to run. If you if you open it up and use the spread and use what he used in college to throw for that yardage, which is what they do in the fourth quarter of desperation, I think he would do a lot better. And and so there's two things that I would say to that. First off, as a great college player, uh, Tebow is a little bit different. And and I think that's still okay. I, I like to equate it to when Tiger Woods was great, he beat all these other guys because in a lot of ways he was playing the same guy because they all went to these academies and they all learned the game the same way. They all hit the same shots the same way. They approached the game the same way. You got 10 guys. If they learn the game the same, you're not really beating 10 guys. You're really beating one guy. And I think that's what happened in the NFL. If everybody is alike, you know what I mean? If everybody's alike, then, then you don't have room for a Tebow. But if you can say, you know what? It's okay that he's different. It's okay that Randall Cunningham is a different thrower than, than Warren Moon. Warren Moon's ball, leave his hands right now. Randall Cunningham with the big windup. That's okay, you know what I mean? This guy stays in the pocket. That guy scrambled. I think it's the air that we've gotten to that now tries to pigeonhole everyone, and so we say we're surprised that T-Boy isn't any good. This is fun. We all recognize that. But the seminal question is still, can you go forward with this guy? That's the one we've been dealing with for a month. Right. And John Fox and whatever. And here's what I want to say. Look, I got fresh blood here. Because Jim and I have been saying, I'm, last week I did my Mia Copa and said, okay, I'm in. I, 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 I've been fighting this to wind up here. Okay, I'm in for now. But I'm going to say, because I've said it publicly many times, this is the best evaluator of talent of any coach I've ever been around. So I'm going to put it to you. And I'm going to tell you my prejudice in terms of, at the end of the day, no one has ever won a championship outside the pocket. So forget the fact that they're winning. They're, I'm in. Let's, this is fun. Right. Can, you, can you jump on board and say, this is the guy we're going with long term? That's the seminal well, question. Well, I think that I, I, I would say this, and I, and I agree with that because of the circumstances that happen in playoffs and outdoor weather and so forth. But I think to get going, I would say that if there's a guy that could get better at what he needs to do, I think Tim Tebow would do that, but you went along the way. The old saying we used to say is, turn the program around, but win while your ass is doing it. And that's mm -hmm. so true. That too often what happens is guys can't turn the program around. And at Arizona, we lose games by 1.2 points this year. You know, the stuff I see happen the whole season, happened in one season in Arizona. You know, guys fumble the snap, getting ready to kick a field goal, all the stuff to win the game. The bottom line is when you are turning a program around, you have to win while you're doing it. And so I think Denver was clearly a turnaround program. And what Tim Tebow has done, he's helped them to win while they're turning around. Now it's up to them to upgrade the receiver, mm -hmm. upgrade the, the offensive line. And then, you know, it's not like you say, okay, the season's over. You know, they go 10-6. and six, uh, They make it through the wild card, get knocked out in the second round. And then it's like, okay, Tim, you're great. Tim Tebow will say, help me to get right. better. Who do I got to go to? I mean, I know I can. I know I can do it. I know I can throw better. And I think you can take it and break it down, and make him a better player. But right now, he is winning while they turn the program around, and that is very difficult. And we've to been do. talking about can they go forward with it? I think we're reaching the point where whether they truly believe it or not, they have no choice. Run your fourth quarter plays in the first <laughs> quarter before you give up on it. What is more thrilling than to be playing at home? 
and come from behind win. Against football. the Chicago Bears. <laughs> you know Whether they're good or not makes no difference. It's the Chicago right. Bears. We will not know. I don't care what the rhetoric will be. that We've said last week, the two biggest stories in this league, the minute it's over, beyond if Green Bay Packers can run the table, is what happens with Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts and what happens with Tim Tebow. Now, we're going to hear a lot of rhetoric. We're going to hear a lot of different, but until that card is turned in right. on draft day, I'm not believing anything I hear out of Indy until that happens or until I see what Denver does in the draft. Right. They can tell us what they're going to do, but until we see, until Matt Barkley or Robert Griffith III or one of these other guys is available in whatever Denver's picking 24, 25, right. 26. Let me see the first day of the draft, second, first two days of the draft, and I'll tell you what Denver's really going to do. I don't care what they say. Tim Tebow's our guy. We're, you know, we'll wait. This is going to be an interesting game because we know New England can't play defense. So this could be a track meet. Can he keep up and attract me? Well, not not unless they open it up and, and go with it. And so that's what I will plead with them to do, uh, you know, all week. But I, but I will just say this is that we know that that uh, they don't give up a lot of points defensively. They're they're very good. They're going to be challenged uh, with New England's ability to mm-hmm. if they're going to stay with New England because let me tell you something. No, England runs the offense that Denver runs in the fourth quarter. They're mm-hmm. spread most of the time. They got Welker cutting across the middle. They got the Titan down the middle. They're running a lot of this stuff, this stuff. And and uh, that's where T, you look at all Tebow's throws. That's that's where they've been. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Champ Bailey goes and gets Roy Williams out to the numbers right. I left. Here's the takeaway. Caleb Haney giving it to Marion Barber. Trying to find a room to the inside. <laughs> and he's knocked out of bounds. Oh, out at the Denver. 46-yard line. That stops the clock, unfortunately, with 155 left to play. This play got sent in, 70 outside, and reminded him to stay in bounds. Stay in bounds. You don't think they didn't practice it, talk about it? He knew he needed it's, to stay. It's he an went outside snowballing. play, yeah. but don't go all the way outside. That you've got all, It really run it like a stretch, and that's what that, those are things you go over all the time, but again, at the end of the game, you're telling your guys, okay, we need a first down, Okay, we need a first down. So, boom, he go out. He goes out of bounds. They get now. Then in overtime. All right, now we're you know, let's make sure we hold on the ball. Get two hands on the ball. He had one hand on the ball. Because you know Play, what he saw. Playing, he saw. He an broke out and thought, "Oh, this is going to be one of those third <laughs> ones where I go to to fifty yards." Absolutely. And he was off and running, thinking about how he's going to dance. That that happened. That's football. I don't be the out of bounds. And and we can you know is this now? Here's the sad part. And certainly, Lovey is not in, in under pressure to for his job, but via early conversation, <laughs> somewhere down the line, when you decide you want to go in another direction and you line up all those things, mm-hmm. even though right now we can intellectually go, look, that's Lovey coached it during the week, he covered it, he's done everything you can as a coach. That one's going to be held against him. Well, it's going to be it, again, but it goes back to Todd Haley. When I saw Kansas City play Chicago. I said, these are not two NFL starting quarterbacks, mm-hmm. plain and simple. And it's both of the coaches' job to, to do something about that. Now, you, you, could, you could beat Denver 10 to nothing if you think that makes sense, but you don't have an NFL quarterback. And so when, when we say Lovey could be on the hot seat, he probably is for two reasons. One, it's his job to get the players, even though we know that there's a general manager. It's, it's you've got to be able to fight for what you need for your football team. And the, what the fans are saying is, you know what? 
you just moved in there and said, we got our guy. You didn't try. And I don't care. I mean, bring us Donald McNabb and let us boo his ass for right. something. But leave but us the option. Try. I mean, he's available. Take him. 47 yards left hash. He needs to hit a draw shot for the tie. Six seconds to go. Snap, placement, kick. It is blocked, and the Giants win the game. The Giants have come to Dallas, and they have beaten the Cowboys by the final of 37 to 34. I think you saw a class example of the New York Giants who've been weathered. Remember, Dallas lost to Philly. And it was, oh, calm down. Well, it's calm down because you saw who they were playing. Right. right. Up to the giant. It wasn't a murderer's row. Yeah. And they stumbled against Arizona. It was, it's typical SEC versus right. something else. Right. You know, we're, we're pounding this every week. Giants had to play New Orleans, and they lost. They had to play Green Bay, and they lost. Right. But they were tempered by it. They are mentally tougher, and they believe in their quarterback. Unquestioned. Coughlin believes in him. The team right. believes in him. The city, this week anyway. Okay. <laughs> Does Dallas believe? Does Garrett Jason Garrett believe? Does Jerry Jones believe? Does the team believe? Do the fans believe in Rome? Now, it was not Romo's fault they lost that game, but right. Dallas is, does not have the mental toughness right now that New York. That's why I said last week, I think New York wins because they're a mentally tougher team. I think, I think the Giants will win the division. You know, I, I think that uh, what, what they're doing right now, you know, defensively, uh, they're still making some mistakes, but I think they are more physical. Uh, you know, Dallas just can't get in the rhythm. I think that they're fighting demons. You know, when you're fighting demons, and that's how you lose. Game. I mean, when you have things like you call a timeout when you shouldn't and you, you don't stop the clock when you should and you give up big plays when you shouldn't, you know, it's clear that, you know, that uh, uh, when, when they've got really have two head coaches, basically what they've established is that, well, really what they've got is two coordinators. Yep. Really. Jason's the offensive coordinator. Rob is defense coordinator. And Jerry's I guess well, that's, the way, that's the way we say it. And Jerry and Jerry's head coach. The problem is, so. yeah, Jerry can't get down, can't get down on the field. And so, you know, when you need to bring that together, that one guy, and it just it seems like they're lacking in in that regard. They've got every advantage, you know, but they just have not been taking advantage of it. A couple really interesting matchups to talk about, Denny. Let's start with the game that I'm going to have for Fox. It's the Detroit Lions. At the Oakland Raiders. How are you seeing this thing size up? You know, Oakland is just not playing very well right now. You know, and it's surprising because we really thought that once they got Carson Palmer that they would have everything figured out. Well, they don't have McFadden still, and without their running game, they're not as good. And Detroit, even though not a great team, even a tremendous team, I think is good enough to beat Oakland. Well, I'm, I'm concerned about the health of the officials in this game because there may be 500 <laughs> flags thrown between these two teams. I had Detroit last week, and, and they understand. Jim Schwartz, I think, is doing a good job. They get Indomitian Sue back. But I still saw things in the Minnesota-Detroit game where that lack of focus, those things that can get you beat. I'm not talking about during the play penalties where right. you know a holding will happen even a roughing right. the passer i'm talking about pre-snap procedure penalties and the post-snap knucklehead things that both these teams are prone to well and there's like night and day i mean jim schwartz is aggressive he's high strong a little bit hugh jackson is nice and relaxed so you have two totally contrasting coaches but still two teams that have very little discipline that are the most penalized and do uh penalties and have penalties and commit penalties that hurt their team at the worst possible time and at the end of the day, you know, again, these are two 
very physical teams. I think Detroit has a great deal of confidence in that, one, they're going to get healthy a little bit. And Dominican Sue comes back off suspension. They were a little short in the secondary when they played Minnesota. They feel like they're going to get healthy that way. Uh, so they feel like they're going out to the West Coast on a healthy football team. I think this Oakland team, based on what I've seen, and I haven't seen Oakland a lot because I do primarily the NFC, but what I've seen, I like their physicality, but the biggest thing that concerns me, Carson Palmer now has enough reps underneath his belt with Oakland. He's still turning the ball over, Dan. They don't have the receivers, that's why. I mean, right. I think that if you don't have confidence in your receivers that they can make a play, then, then Carson Palmer's trying to make the play with his ball, trying to make the play with his arm. And I think that receivers are still dropping balls. As you know, I used to say, it's un-American that you can't <laughs> catch the ball. Well, I mean, this is America. Everybody should be able to catch the ball. And I just think that's hurt them. So I'm not sure that Oakland's going to get out of this tailspin. I mean, they were up, down a little bit, but now every game for them is going to be crucial. Denver's put a lot of pressure on them. That's another story. I just think Detroit's going to handle them. The one thing I will lean on is that Detroit is all about pressure on the quarterback, those wide nines with Vandenbosch and Averill coming off the edge. Um, they've been gashed with the run a little bit. And, and, and if Oakland can hang its head on anything, if they can get the downhill running, running through that C and D gap with those wide nines and get them downhill, they might at home be able to be physical enough in the running game that then sets up the play action, a little cleaner read for Carson Palmer. If they're going to win, that's probably the way they're going to have to do it. Well, if they had McFadden, I agree with you, but I don't think they're going to have McFadden. He's got that high ankle sprain, and if that is it, or a foot sprain, whatever they they want to call it. Uh, And Lou Bush is, you know, you got to at least have a little more quickness, I think. He can blast in there. 245 pounds, and so Bush is a strong physical player, but I don't know if he brings that quickness and elusiveness that you have to have to get those extra yardies to get past the linebackers. Yeah, Matthew Stafford, now that he's passed that injury on his index finger and his throwing hand, uh, I worried about Matthew Stafford coming out his accuracy when he came out of Georgia. I, I, I put that aside. And he's got Megatron, Calvin Johnson, the outside. Brandon Pettigrew had a nice game at the tight end. They got Tony Scheffler as the other tight end. Nate Burleson on the backside. They really can't run the ball, and they know that. Right. And they try to manufacture it, but they have enough. I think they're going to challenge that secondary of Oakland with their receiving core as well. Let's, let's go on to another big game. This is a big weekend in the league. We've got New England at Denver. Lot riding on the game there. We've got Baltimore in San Diego. And the one I want to talk about now, we got Pittsburgh at San Francisco on Monday night. Pittsburgh with Big Ben and the way they do it. San Francisco showed a little vulnerability in losing to Arizona. How do you see this? Well, first off, it's going to be interesting to see if, if indeed – uh, ben can play. I mean, I know he finished the game, but to go out and play with a high ankle sprain, even at the quarterback position, I guess he can do it. Now, San Francisco, they're shook up a little bit because that was a game that they expected to win that they lost Arizona. They play tremendous defense. They get after the quarterback pretty good. I don't know if this is the kind of game that Ben can play on one leg because that's literally what he's going to be trying to play on. Yeah, and, and going down the way, Pittsburgh has got a pretty favorable schedule the last couple of weeks. This is the big game for them. They're still chasing Baltimore. I don't know that they can catch them in terms of the division. That looks like at 10, right currently at 10 to 3, they can hold on to that wild card spot, but they got a little bit at risk here. And we've seen Ben do that. Have you ever seen a quarterback? 
do no, more with no. fewer throws in this no. league than Ben Roethlisberger? Well, I think that, you know, and he can make the key throw. He always does. I think a lot of it is just his familiarity with the offense. Same guy, same offense over a very long period of time. I think the confidence that they have in him. And then, you know, a lot of those throws are over the middle. He is a very, very accurate passer. And then you cannot underestimate the height advantage that he has, his ability right. to see it. And so he's been absolutely phenomenal. But I just don't know if they can call him so soon after that injury. I mean, he's not going to practice. Now, we've seen that before. He's been in the hospital right, right. and got out the hospital today. The game and played and played well. So it's going to be a challenge this week on the game that San Francisco, even though they've got it wrapped up, even though they're 10-3, and three, they are playing for that second-round bye. They're going to come out and play well. Well, what's your take? I'm always interested, Coach, again, and I've said it a million times. I think you're the best evaluator of talent from the coaching position I've ever seen. I've had San Francisco a couple times. A couple of my guys, the coordinators, uh, Vic Fangio is the defensive coordinator, Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, Jim Harbaugh doing a great job, playing great defense, running the ball. Alex Smith, I don't know that he can't, but at the end of the tunnel that they're on here is sitting Aaron Rodgers, possibly sitting Drew Brees, that great Baltimore Raven team. And that wasn't fair. They had to go play them on a short week on a Thursday night. Uh, I'm talking about if they should make right. it to the Super Bowl. Um, what, what's your take on Alex Smith? Is he going to be the guy? Uh, he can be the guy to get them. Obviously, they're into the playoffs. I think he's a guy that can probably win the first round. I'm not sure that he's a guy that can go further than that. Uh, he's playing extremely well, obviously. Uh, part of that is Jim Harbaugh, the new guy. You know what I mean? So it's the same quarterback. It's the new coach. It's the new coordinator. I think the confidence that they have in him. And then, you know, Jim is, you know, just cockiness and that I can take any player and make a good player out of him, any quarterback and make a good quarterback out of him, any offense and make a good team out of the offense. And so he has been able to do that. But it looks like they've started to lose a little bit of that right. steam that they had. And so that's why this game is so crucial because, you know, you're going along. Everything looks great until it doesn't. As I've said many times, 10-3, and three, when does it look good? Right. It looks good when you win 10. 10-3, and three, when does it look bad? When you lose three. And so right now I'd say San Francisco's not feeling really good about the three losses it, because the loss came yesterday. If they lose to Pittsburgh – on a Monday night, you know, we talk about whether it's the Green Bay Packers, whether it's the San Francisco 49ers, how do you manage these last couple games? Do you play your guys? Do you rest your guys? Whatever your attitude may be, if they, having just lost Arizona, an unexpected loss, they lose to Pittsburgh, he may not have a choice. He, he, whatever he wants to do, and I imagine Jim Harbaugh wants to play it out, but to get that role, to get that confidence, he may not have a choice. He may have to really attack those last two games. I think he's going to have to, and, and we know this now. You can't ease your way into this fight with Pittsburgh because they know that with Ben being injured, they're going to have to rough San Francisco up. They're going to be physical. 49ers are a team that runs the ball. They will take a three-yard run any day of the week, and so the, the Steelers are going to have to try to give them less than three yards when they run the football, this will be a real physical game, and they have to go in thinking that way. Coming out of it, then they don't have any choice. They're going to have to play it out the last two games. Well, that's going to do it for the Coach's Show podcast presented by Bud Light. You can download the Coach's Show podcast from iTunes or go to nfl.com slash podcast. Also, be sure to catch the Coach's Show on the NFL Network every Monday at 630 Eastern. Thanks for listening.